Good morning. Glad you're with us this morning. I do pray the Lord will bless you on this great Sunday morning, last Sunday in May here in Nashville. And coming to you again because of the COVID-19 situation here from the auditorium of the church. And we do pray that the Lord will bless you today for listening and that you'll get much out of the hour. And uh, we got started just a little late, and I apologize for that. We're still discussing opening and things, but uh, but God bless you again for being here. Let's go ahead and pray. And then uh, I believe Brother Wes, are you singing today? No, Brother Daniel is singing today. So Brother Daniel is going to sing for us. So I'll go ahead and pray, and then Brother Daniel will sing, and I'll preach. How's that sound? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would just bless. And Father, I pray you'd open the windows of heaven, pour out your spirit. And now, Father, just bless in a mighty way. And Father, just do a work in this time. Give us what we need and open the windows of heaven. And Lord, just uh, again, bless today. Bless. Give us a, a great, great day for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brother Daniel is going to sing. So come on, Brother Daniel, and, and sing for us today. For the plan of 
Amen. Appreciate that, and I appreciate Brother Daniel singing this morning, and uh, I do thank you again for listening today, and I do pray that the Lord will bless you for, and uh, that you'll get much out of the hour. Uh, I want you to take your Bible, if you have it this morning, turn to Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, and uh, look there, if you would please, Romans chapter 3 with me, and uh, I, I want you to look there, and, and I've debated about this message uh, um, just to be honest, all evening yesterday and this morning, and and uh, I um I've really debated about whether to preach on this or not, or or what to say, and and uh, because um we've seen a lot of things go on in our world recently, and and now we've got the situation out of Minneapolis, and we've got the um, rioting that's been going on, and the looting and the burning and things like that, and and uh, the chaos in our country, and so this morning. Uh, I want to preach on the chaos in America, the chaos in America. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to share some things, and yes, I am going to address some things, and uh, but I'm going to address it a little bit differently and hopefully um, maybe point some things out and also give you another way to look at some things if I can this morning. As I said, I've been really concerned, and I believe I ought to address this, but at the same time, I just don't want the message to be a downer, downer, downer thing on what's going on in our country. But I do believe I can help you if you'll listen and let me let me uh, share this with you. But the chaos in America. So let's pray and let's ask God to bless our time in the Word of God and hopefully we'll get something out of it today and, and be an encouragement to you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. I pray the Holy Ghost of God would just do a work here. Father, use me to preach the Word of God. And Father, I pray that you would just be honored. And Father, help me to say the right things today. Help me to say it in the right way. Help me to have the right spirit. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just take the message and go out and touch hearts today. Father, I just pray you'd open the windows of heaven, pour out your spirit, for we if we and and Lord, just again do a work. For I ask in Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Now, uh, the chaos in our country. I, I was thinking about this. There's a lot of things going on today. A lot of things going on. We see the uh, we see murder today. We see rioting. We see looting. We see theft. We see destruction. We see lack of respect for others, we see lawlessness, we see all these things. And so I want you to look at it this way. What are we seeing today? What are we really seeing? You say, bro, Scott, it's easy. Just turn the TV on or look at the internet and you'll see what's going on. But no, I want you to think about it. 
I've been struggling with this message. I really have. I had something else I was entirely going to preach on. Had this Sunday and next Sunday already outlined out, or not outlined, but planned out. And and I just feel I need to change, and, and I feel I need to address the issue. But at the same time, I want to teach, and I want to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. But so what do we see going on today? What do we see going on in our society right now? Well, I'm going to give you two thoughts today, and that's all I want to give you, two real quick thoughts, and then I want to turn it to us, turn it to us. So number one, I want you to understand what we are seeing in our society is a confirmation that the Bible is true. Think about that for a minute. You say, wait a minute, Brother Scott, what are you saying? What I'm saying is what we see going on right now is a confirmation that the Bible is true, that the Bible is true. You say, how can you say that by what we see going on, that the Bible is true? Well, number one, what we see going on proves the Bible's teaching of the sinfulness of mankind. Think about that for a minute. What we see going on proves the Bible teaching of the sinfulness of mankind. This, what we see happening, is proof of mankind's sinfulness. My friend, the Bible tells us very plainly that all people are sinners. All are sinners. Just as the Bible says, Romans 3.23, right in our passage here in the book of Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, the grand proof that all of us are sinners is that one of these days we are going to die. That's the grand proof excuse me, the grand proof that we're all sinners. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passes upon all men, for that all have sinned. Very simply, because we are sinners, we are all going to die one of these days. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Think about that. The grand proof that we are all sinners is one of these days we're going to die. Death came on the world, came into the world because of sin. But folks, what you and I also need to understand out of Romans 3 is we are given a description of what's, how sin manifests itself. How sin manifests itself. Go back to Romans 3 again and look down at verse 10. Notice what he says. As is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. In other words, there's nobody that does everything right. There's nobody that's perfect. All of us are sinners, are we not? Yes, we are. We'll come down to verse 13 now. Notice what he says. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Now, the sepulcher there is a, you know, a grave. A grave, if you open it up, or a tomb, you open it up, what is it full? It is full of, of, of de- you know, death and decay, right? Well, he's talking about their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. Do people deceive today? Yes. The poison of asp is under their lips. He's talking about how harmful the tongue can be and how harmful our words and our mouth can be. Verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Boy, have we seen that lately? Yes. You know, that's evidence of sin. Their feet are swift to shed blood. What about the murder? What about the killing? All this stuff. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Yes. And the way of peace have they not known. People don't have peace today, right? And then verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Don't. One of the questions I got to ask is when people do some of these things, don't they fear God? No, there's no fear of God. We've lost our reverential fear of God. You know, but you look at this. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say what we see going on in our society proves the Bible is true. And one of those proofs is the sinfulness of mankind. The Bible teaches the sinfulness of mankind, and it is on display. It's on display. There's a second thing we see here that proves the Bible is true. Second thing we see here in our society that proves the Bible is true. What is that? 
the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle of sowing and reaping. You say, what is that? Well, if, if, if I think everybody understands this, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, everybody ought to understand that. You, you say, what do you mean? Well, it, it's like this, okay? If you plant beans, what do you expect to get? Beans. If you plant corn, what should you get? Corn, right? Yes, that's what you get. You get corn. If you plant squash, which I will never do, by the way. My wife probably would, but not me. But uh, uh, if you plant squash, you're going to get squash. It's the same concept in life. You know, it, it's, it's, it's like I, I told our church a while back, and everybody in our church, I think, if they've been around any time, knows about the plum tree in my front yard. And, and uh, you know, one year for Father's Day, our kids got together and they gave me a plum tree. They know I like plums, and, you know, it's one of my favorite, uh, um, I don't know if it's a fruit or a, a fruit, and, uh, and so I love plums, and so um, they gave me a plum tree, and I thought, oh, man, this is cool, great. So the first year, you know, it's still growing. Second year, it's still growing. Third year. And so, you know, about year number four, I'm expecting to go outside, and I see the blooms and everything, and I see these little green things on it, about yay big around. You know, I'm thinking, oh, well, that's not for me. Okay, so that year, that's about all it did. The next year, all of a sudden, I still get these little green things, but they start turning purple. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be good. I can't wait till they grow up and become adult plums. You know, I'm like expecting, you know what I'm expecting? You know, I'm expecting a plum, you know? I, that's what I'm expecting. I didn't get it. Little things. But the tree was loaded with them. I thought, what is going on? There's something wrong with my tree. It is not growing right. There's something happening here. So Debbie, my wife, she keeps about everything, you know, that we buy or have or whatever so that we can ref refer back to it. And so she pulls out the paperwork on the plum, uh, the plum tree, and, you know, you got this little card that tells you about it. Come to find out it's not a regular plum tree. It's a dwarf plum tree. You know what that means? They're bite-sized plums. They're about yay big around, and it's some type of special tree or whatever. So it was like I was expecting one thing, but got another. Why? Because of the law of sowing and reaping, it was a different type tree, so I was getting a different type thing. And that's the point I want you to catch here. Now let's turn that around, what we see going on. Because somebody's going to say, oh, Brother Scott, I don't see your analogy here that the Bible is true based on what's going on in society today. Well, I want you to take your Bible, if you haven't, go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 and look down at verse 7. Galatians 6 and look at verse 7. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Think about that. Whatever you sow, you reap. Look at verse 8. For he that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Reap life everlasting. Think about that. Think about what he's saying there. You know what we are seeing today? Now, if you take that spiritual analogy, what we are seeing today is what happens when a society turns from the true God. That's what we are seeing. What we're seeing today is when a society rejects God's laws. What we are seeing today is when a society turns away from the Word of God and relegates it to it's not true. What we are seeing today is when society changes God's standards of morality, and guess what? This is what you get. And our society for years has been turning its back on God and away from God and God's order of things. 
and his morality. And when you see that, guess what? Society continues to degrade away from the truths of God. Therefore, you don't have respect for others. You don't have respect for laws. People don't care about anybody else. There's no compassion. There's no caring. People are foul-languaged. People do immoral things. People steal, cheat, rob, uh, destroy others' properties, take others' lives. Why? Because we're rejecting the laws of God. And we're reaping what we've been sowing. Did you catch that? We're reaping what we've been sowing. You cannot change the law of sowing and reaping. You cannot change that law. Folks, we need to understand the law of sowing and reaping proves the Bible to be true. Let me give you the third thing here that I see that is proving the Bible to be true, that is confirming that the Bible is true and it is the Word of God, and that is the result of continued lawlessness. The result of continued lawlessness. Now, somebody's going to say, well, what do, you, what do you mean by that, Brother Scott? What I mean by that is when a society doesn't punish criminals, guess what? They continue to do the bad things. That's the point I want you to understand. When society doesn't take crime seriously, when society doesn't take evil seriously, people will continue to do evil and do wickedly. People will do it. People will do it. When we don't take it seriously, people will continue. You know, one of the verses that really stuck out to me and has stuck out to me over the last few years, somebody showed this to me, was Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11, one of the smartest men in the world, Solomon, wrote these words, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. When you continually let people go and let people get by with things over and over and over again, guess what? They're going to continue to do it. And what we are seeing today is that our system is breaking down to where we're not taking care of evil and crime quickly and seriously. And guess what? What's going on is people are left to do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. When we let murderers out and they go kill somebody else, guess what? We are reaping what we are sowing, but it's showing the principle in the Word of God. You know, guess what? It's coming back on us. It's showing the Bible to be true. Folks, we need to take crime seriously today. I mean, we need to, the people that do bad things, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but we need to deal with the evil and wickedness in our society or it's going to bite us, and it's biting us. That's what's going on. The result of continued lawlessness. You know, when we don't punish crime, guess what? It's going to continue. The evildoers are going to continue. And then number four, the fourth thing, that proves the Bible true, that confirms that the Bible is true. The fourth thing I see today is America's fate. I, I, I almost was afraid to mention this one. I'm not a prophet of doom. But something that kept coming up in my mind as I was thinking of this is what's going to happen to our country if we continue down this path? What's going to happen to our country? And the other thing that I thought about was about 20 years ago, I thought about something and I thought, I can see this coming. And, and you know, I don't consider myself a prophet of God. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. But 20 years ago, I could have got up and made a prophecy about something and it's come to pass in our day and age. 
Now somebody's going to say, Brother Scott, what was it? If you want to know, come to me privately and I'll tell you. But I'm seeing it today. I'm, I, I'm cautious about these kind of things. And so this one I almost didn't mention, but I've got to say it. What's going to happen to our country in the days ahead? I'm not saying this to scare anybody, but maybe you and I need to take notice of some things. What is that? Well, if you look in the Bible, at end-time Bible prophecy out of the book of Ezekiel and the book of Daniel and the book of Isaiah and the book of Revelation and Matthew 24, and you look at all those things, there is one nation that is prominent today that is absent in Bible prophecy. Think about that for a minute. There is one nation that is prominent today, and we could say two nations, but there is one nation that is really prominent in the world today that is absent from Bible prophecy. That's the United States of America. The United States of America is absent from Bible prophecy. Right now, the United States of America is a prominent player in the world. Right now, the United States of America is a great ally of Israel. We have a defense pact with the nation of Israel, and I am glad we do. Why? Because Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, the Abrahamic covenant there, I believe is still in effect today. I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. You know, and I pray that the United States will always stand by Israel's side, but I do not believe that's going to happen. I have seen in my lifetime some of that waver some. But I believe that we ought to stand with them. But when you think about that for a little bit, you come to Bible prophecy that centers around the nation of Israel. What nation is not a major player anymore? That is the United States of America. The United States of America is not mentioned by name in Bible prophecy. It could only possibly, notice I said the word possibly, be alluded to one time in Ezekiel 38. But think about this. As for when it comes down to it, we're really not around. We're not spoken of. So that tells me that either the United States is weak or it's gone. You said, bro, Scott, how can you say that? Well, I just look at the Bible. But when I look at what's going on in our country right now and what we are seeing, we are seeing a slide. We are internally destroying ourselves. We are destroying ourselves politically. We are destroying ourselves socially. We are destroying ourselves morally. And we think we have all the answers. We think we're so smart. People, look at the hatred in our society. You know, it used to be years ago, politicians would disagree with each other during the day, then go out to eat and be best of friends at night. And today, people hate each other's guts. And it's the same way with people all around. I read the other day, I read a while back during the 2016 election how somebody ran off in a snowdrift and a person wouldn't help them because they had a bumper sticker for the opposing candidate. Where's the compassion and care? What we are seeing is the internal destruction of society. And if we do not check it, we are going to go to the way of the Roman Empire. The way of the Roman Empire. The famous book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. You read and you see how internally Rome destroyed itself. Think about that for a little bit for us. Think about for the United States. What's happening today? Where are we going to be in Bible prophecy? We're not there. We're, it's silent. Now, could we be around? Yes. And the Bible is just silent on it. But you know, there's a lot of other nations mentioned, but the U.S. isn't one of them. But folks, what am I saying? The things we are seeing today confirm the Bible to be true. 
They confirm the Bible to be true, to be the Word of God. That brings me to the second thing, my second point. And I told you I had two points, and I'll conclude it by speaking to us. The second thought I had is what we see today shows that people do need Jesus Christ. What we see going on in our world and our society today shows that people need Jesus. I believe the only hope for our country, the only hope for our world today is Jesus Christ. What am I saying? I think people need to be saved and be followers of Jesus Christ. That's what's needed. Why? Because when somebody accepts Jesus and becomes a follower of Him, number one, they get life. They get eternal life in heaven with God one of these days. 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You know, and, and then not only do they get life, they get abundant life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. And then when they become a follower of Christ, get saved, they get peace. They get His peace. John 16, 33 said, My peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. You know, in the world we're going to have tribulation. But He said, Hey, I'm giving you peace. John 14, 27 and John 16, 33. What about hope? When you get saved, you get hope. When you become a follower of Jesus, you get hope, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because there he says, if only in Christ we had this hope, we're of all men most miserable. Good night. What kind of hope do we get when we get saved? huh? And then we get it when you, when you get saved and become a follower of Jesus, you get a righteous standard of living. You become a disciple of His, you start learning of His, and He'll give you a righteous standard of living, how to live right and a and a godly and holy life, a life that's pleasing to God. A life apart from sin. See, when you get saved and start following Christ, you get a new way of looking at people. That's another thing. I love Matthew 9, 37-38, how Jesus looked at people. And that's how you and I are to look at people. We're to look at people with compassion, with eyes of caring. You know, and, and you look in the book of Acts, when people got saved and became followers of Christ, what happened? They cared about each other. And, and folks, when you get saved and you become a child of God and you start following Christ, you're to become like Him, and He cared about people. And that's what we need to do. Sad part about it is many today claim to be saved, but guess what? They're really not saved. But then I put down another thing. They start developing the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. When you get saved, you start developing that fruit. Galatians 5.22, what is it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, temperance, meekness, you know? You read those things there, and I just got them out of line and messed them up, but think about it. But when you get saved and you start growing in Christ and following Him, you develop that fruit and it changes your life. Again, Folks, what you need to realize is that there's a great change that takes place when a person gets saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But now let me understand something. People need Jesus. Why? Because if not, if they don't make Jesus their Savior and become a follower of His, one day they'll stand before Him in judgment. The Bible says in Roman, uh, Hebrews 9.27, says, but it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. One of these days, mankind is going to stand before God in judgment. You can either go to the great white throne judgment, or you can go to what the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. You can either go and be judged for your sins, or you can go and be rewarded for serving Christ. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. One of those two judgments you're going to stand at. 
See, the unsaved person is going to stand at the, at, at the great white throne one of these days, according to Revelation chapter 20. And guess who the judge is going to be? It's going to be Jesus Christ. John 5.22 tells us that the Father hath committed all judgment to the Son. So if you sit here and say, I don't need Jesus, fine. You don't? Okay, fine. God gives you that. But understand, one of these days, you're going to have to stand before Him. You say, well, you know, I just went along with everybody's everybody else. Well, Romans 14, 12 says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. It's not going to be you and somebody else. It's going to be you and you alone before God. You say, well, society did this. I don't care what society does. That doesn't mean you have to do it. No, you do right. You follow Christ. You turn to him because one day, if not, you're going to stand before him in judgment. You say, bro, Scott, you're being kind of hard. Well, think about it this way. Let's look at it very simply. When our children were growing up, you know, I've got three kids. And when my kids were growing up, you know, one of the things we used to tell them, you know, don't follow the crowd. Don't do what everybody else does. Don't get involved with everybody else. Why? It's kind of, remember the old thing, if all your children, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? It's the same principle. You don't have to follow the world. And let me get you to understand that he is not going to overlook sin. You say, well, he's going to understand. He's like a benevolent grandfather. Really? Acts 17, 30 and 31. This is what he says. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You need to turn from sin. Verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, for he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Did you catch that? Jesus is going to be the judge, but the world is going to be judged according to God's righteous standard. And His judgment will be just and right. Well, Brother Scott, I don't believe God would do that. Well, God's a good God. You said, you just made my argument, Brother Scott. No. Understand this. As a good God, He must judge righteously or He's not good, which means He has to punish sin. Don't misunderstand that. Don't take God's goodness as an excuse for you and I to be able to sin and get away with it. No, it doesn't work that way. My friend, you need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Because if not, they're going to stand before Jesus in judgment one day. Understand that. Understand it. Sadly, today, many people have been blinded. Sadly, many people have been blinded. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4, that Satan is the one out doing the blinding. I read an article online, and a guy was doing a, uh, he was giving some reasons why people need Jesus, and I, I uh, copied part of it and then changed it around a little bit. In our day and age, this is kind of the way people view Jesus. This is kind of why they don't follow Jesus. Today, many people see no need for a person who they see as one who lived 2,000 years ago. To them, he did not help them get their first job, buy their first house, or find their spouse. They ask, what has he ever done for me? To them, he does not provide entertainment, cure sickness, distribute money, grant the wishes of dying children, or lower taxes. They think, why, should I, why would I need Jesus if he does not help with the things most important to me? And then the writer went on, and by the way, I changed this around to make it more Brother Scott thought says, even Christians who claim his name appoint him as their co-pilot. Folks, he's not our co-pilot. He's, our, he's in control. He ought to be our pilot, the one leading, this, leading us. 
or use Him as Savior don't feel they need Him once they have Him in their pile of possessions. That's the way a lot of people treat Jesus. While they express praise for Him, they go days, weeks, and months without a single thought of needing Christ for anything. Even ministry work and Bible study can distract us from the need of Christ if it is done as busy work and not with Christ as the goal. So true. My friend, what am I saying? What we see going on today shows us that people need Jesus. People need Jesus. My friend, maybe you're in front of me and you've never been saved. You need Jesus. Because if not, you're going to have to stand before Him to answer for your sin. But thank God He left the glory of heaven, came and lived on this earth, went to the cross of Calvary, and died as your sacrifice and mine, as your substitute for sin and mine, my friends. Died for us. Died for us so that you and I could be saved, not have to face Him in judgment. But that brings me to this. Okay, Brother Scott, you brought out some things, but what about us? What about me right now? We're living in this world. What can we do? What can we do? Number one, we can pray. Somebody says, oh, I knew you were going to say that. That's part of the problem. We minimize the power of prayer. We minimize faith in God. But folks, you and I can pray. We can get on our knees, and I think it's time that we got on our knees and prayed for our country and prayed for revival. We need to pray. Number two, you and I can obey the laws. We can obey the laws. You know, whatever they are, we don't have to like them, but God set up government. He didn't set up the corruption in government, but God did set up government to put laws in. Number two, we can treat others with respect. I put this down here because, you know, I, I see the Bible teaches that God is no respecter of persons. And why should you and I be? Today, we treat some people better than we treat others. If somebody has a position, we kind of treat them a whole lot better than we would somebody else. We need to treat everybody with respect. Treat everybody right. And then number four, you and I need to live righteously in this world. One of the things that we hear about Christians a lot today is they're hypocrites. They don't live right. Or they preach one thing and live another. You and I need to live righteously. Then number five, what can we do? We can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, people are not going to get saved unless they hear the Word of God and hear the Gospel. We need to tell people how Jesus came and how people are sinners and how they need Jesus and how Jesus died on the cross, how He was buried, rose again, so that they could be saved. The good news of Jesus Christ. But understanding that we are sinners in need of a Savior, we need to share the good news of Jesus. And then number six, be sure you're saved yourself. Be sure you're saved yourself. As I said a minute ago, there are a lot of people today running around claiming to be Christians, but they've never had that time when they've truly had a move of the Holy Spirit in their heart. And the Spirit has brought conviction and showed them their need of Christ. My friend, do you know Jesus? Do you know Him as your Savior? Has there been that time where the Spirit of God convicted and brought you to Him, and you repented and by faith accepted Him, believing in who He was. Have you had that time? If not today, you can, right where you're at. Maybe you're there and you've never been saved. Maybe you're there and you said, but bless God, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to face Him in judgment. Well, right where you're, where you're at, right there, you can pray a simple prayer. As long as it comes from your heart, you can pray something like, Lord, I know I've sinned against you.
forgive me of that sin. I believe Jesus died for me, was buried, rose again. I believe what the Bible says about that. Father, right now, the best I can, save me. I'm looking to Jesus. If you pray a simple prayer like that, meaning it from your heart, you know what He will do? He will save you. Child of God, let's get that message out. Let's do our part to be lights in the midst of darkness today so that people can see our good works and so people can hear our witness. People need Jesus today. They need Jesus. The Bible is true. We need to share Christ with others. Let's pray. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would just take these simple words, touch hearts, challenge our thoughts today. And Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would just move. Guide us all. Father, somebody listen to me that's not lost, I pray that's not saved and they're lost, I pray they'd be saved today. Father, for the child of God, I pray you'd stir all of our hearts. People need Jesus. Father, bring revival to our midst. Help us to see souls saved. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I pray the Lord will give you a special blessing for being part of this hour, part of this time. If you've never been saved and you want to pray and get saved, you can do it today. And if you do, do me a favor, send me a note. And just let me know. If you go to our website and click on the contact, it'll send a note directly to me. God bless you. Have a great day.